0: Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Happy to be back here in the Paul Korea studio. It's been a bit since we had our last show. I took some time for the All Star break, just like our guys did. Headed up to Lake Tahoe for the first time. And I have to tell you, it is so beautiful up there. My first time in Lake Tahoe. I remember watching the NHL outdoor game that they had in South Tahoe and thinking that I had to go there someday. So I'm so glad I had the opportunity to do so. Got some hiking in, got some skiing in. As you guys, if you've listened, you may know that I just love to ski. So it was great to get back out on the mountain. Great scenery up there and good snow too. They got a bit of snow while I was up there. Now, I also had the chance though to watch a bit of All-Star Weekend. And I have to be honest, it wasn't exactly what I expected. I thought last year when they were in Vegas, it was really well done and they played into Vegas. But this time I wasn't so sure that it was my favorite all-star weekend, but still fun to watch overall. I've always just been a fan of the skills competition side of it. I think that day is always more entertaining to me than the actual game. I'm not really sure why. I think it's just fun for the NHL to see them doing different things. And some of those things this year, the surfboard dunk tank that I know our Troy Terry and our own Wild Wing took part in, so that was kind of cool to get dunked. And then also the puck on the golf course situation when they were shooting it over the the water in the pond. That was pretty cool, too, I would say, and very fitting for Florida. Now, like I said, Troy Terry, our representative for the Anaheim Ducks at All-Star Weekend in South Florida this year. The Florida Panthers were the ones to host it this year. Now, Troy was a part of the Pacific Division team, his second straight All-Star appearance heading into the weekend. He has 42 points through the season, 50 games played, including 13 goals and 29 assists for him. Now, last year, he had 67 points through the entire season. So he's on pace to break that if he is able to keep it up with this play on the ice. And we saw a little bit of something that could potentially hinder that, but hopefully not. That happened in the game on Monday. I will get to in just a bit. Now, last year, when he made it to All-Star, he was selected by fans as a part of the NHL's last man in. He was one of four players that was voted in last year. Super deserving for a guy like Troy Terry. Last year, starting the season with a 16-game point streak, if you guys remember that. Just an all-around solid guy on and off the ice. Very happy to see him get the honors and represent the Ducks there the last two years. Now, he took part in the game on Saturday afternoon, but his team, the Pacific Division team, did fall 6-4 to four against the Central Division, and they were eliminated early. The Atlantic Division was the one to go on to eventually win, winning 7-5, to five. and this was the first time that the division had won in the new divisional format. Matthew Kachuk was named the MVP after a seven-point performance in two games. Pretty fitting, considering he is a part of the Florida Panthers, so representing well as a part of the All-Star Weekend. And speaking of All-Stars, Lukasz Dostal, our own San Diego Gulls goaltender, was the representative at the American Hockey League All-Star Challenge on Monday night, and he had a fantastic showing. Dostal even earned co-MVP honors and helped the Pacific division to their first win since the league adopted the three on three format. So congratulations to Lukash for winning and representing the gulls in the Ducks organization so well. And the Anaheim Ducks got back out on the ice quickly following the week-long break and all-star Monday night in Dallas. And then going to Chicago for a Tuesday night game back to back. That's really hard to start on the road right after All-Star break with two games in a row. But they will be back at home on Friday later this week to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. So heading into the game on Monday night, the Ducks were on a three-game win streak, their first three-game win streak this season. And they almost extended it, but fell just short in Dallas against the Stars. It was a good showing of fight, though, from the Ducks as they played another come-from-behind style game, forcing the eventual shootout. So let's get to AD's takeaways now. The Ducks' penalty kill was a perfect 5-for-5 on the night. They did not stay out of the box, though, when you look at that number. Something that the team struggled with early this season, but I had thought that they were doing pretty well at in more recent games before All-Star break. So that's something that they'll have to clean up, but good to see that they were able to kill all of Dallas's opportunities. The Ducks were held scoreless despite a few opportunities through the first two periods of the game. And then in the third, things changed a little bit. Jacob Silverberg netted a power play goal after getting a deflection by a shot from Kevin Shattenkirk, who was up at the top. This got Sylvie to tie for seventh on the Ducks' all time goals list. He tied with Bobby Ryan, so really good to see for Sylvie. And I feel like anytime a goal comes later in the game, there's always some sort of momentum that a team gains. And in this case, that came in a wave as the Ducks were able to net another goal just about. About a minute and a half later, Adam Henrique, the tying goal off a nice pass from Trevor Zegers to tie the game up at two and eventually force overtime. Another player I want to talk about from this game and someone that, well, we just give so much credit to, all season long, John Gibson, another fantastic showing in the net, making 39 saves and honestly really keeping the ducks in this game. He made some crucial saves throughout the game that, like I said, kept them in it and, He's done that time and time again this season. The team only owes him that to get some goals and get back into these games. So that was good for Gibby in the net that the Ducks were able to fight back in this one. But unfortunately, it just wasn't enough as the shootout ended with Tyler Sagan putting it past Gibson and Dallas getting the 3-2 to win. The Ducks did get a point, though, in this one. And now I did mention it a little bit ago. Troy Terry, I've been talking about him from All-Star Weekend and all the points he's put up this season. Well, unfortunately, he left the game in the first period with an upper body injury on Monday night in Dallas and did not return I'm hoping the best for Troy and hoping it's nothing too serious. Still waiting to hear more on that. Now the Ducks are in Chicago on Tuesday night for another 5.30 p.m. Pacific time game before they get back out here to Anaheim. So let's go coast to coast now to hear goal calls from around the NHL on Monday night, beginning with our own Anaheim Ducks and Dallas Stars game. It was only fitting, really, that I put this game-tying goal in coast to coast because it forced overtime and gave the Ducks a chance to potentially win it. And it came from, well, the birthday boy, Adam Henrique. Steve Carroll has the call of the goal. Delandria well, turned it over. Here comes Ryan Strom for Trevor Zegras. Rink wide, flip towards the net. They go, they shoot off the side of the net. And that one hit the netting, and out comes DeLandria. Harassed from behind there. The Ducks get a turnover. Move it in front. Henrique scores! Adam Henrique. How about that? A goal to tie up the game with 7.30 to go. In the third, it's a 2-2 contest. Next up, the New York Rangers and Calgary Flames game on Monday was one of the wildest that we have seen in the NHL this season. The Rangers getting the eventual overtime win. This game was a total back and forth one with physicality, high powered offense and a lot of drama. Some of it with a goal call as well. It was just the full package. Exactly what you want to see when you watch an NHL game. A gritty game it was between these two teams. But like I said, New York getting the eventual win. Alexi Lafreniere got the rebound off Jacob Markstrom's pads from Miko Zabanajed's shot on a breakaway. It was a great ending for the Rangers. And you can listen to the call of the winner from MSG Radio Network. Codri Maggiapane driving towards the net. Kadri with a shot, gets knocked down in front. And here comes Lafreniere skating with Sabanajad. Lafreniere feathers to Sabanajad and
1: a save by Markstrom. Lafreniere, wide open net, scores! Oh, finally! Markstrom finally. made the save on Sabanajad, leaving it wide
0: open for Alexei Lafreniere. And the Rangers win it 5-4. And also on Monday night, the Florida Panthers taking on in-state rival, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Matthew Kachuk showed out once again, coming off his seven-point all-star game performance. He came out hot on Monday night to a five-point game and helped the Panthers win seven to one against the Lightning, two goals and three assists for Kachuk. And it was The first goal of the game that I want to highlight, it came in the second period right after the power play ended for the Panthers with Kachuk getting the rebound and sticking the puck in. Listen to the call by Doug Pleggins. Panthers into the neutral zone. Bennett over the Tampa Bay line. Right side, it's Verhage. Pulls up inside the line. Top of the circle. Shot. It's loose. And they score. Kachuk on the rebound. Got a piece of it. And the Panthers are back up by a pair. It's 3-1. And for today's guest, I am happy to share our interview with Kaylee Chelios. Kaylee had a great influence of hockey growing up in a hockey family, and her work as an analyst has led her from Tampa to now Chicago. Hear from her in this next segment. Joining Light the Lamp now is Chicago Blackhawks analyst Kaylee Chelios. Kaylee, great to have you on DuckStream. How are you doing today? Hi, it's great to be with you. I'm doing really well coming off the all-star
1: break. So it was a great chance to kind of reset and get the mind away from hockey a little bit. Although we were in Fort Lauderdale, my family. So I, I still got to hang around all the fun stuff and and, uh, be at the beach for a little bit, but it's great to be back and dive right back into the thick of it. The Hawks, the ducks kind of in the same battle for Bedard situation right now.
0: (laughs) Now, when you were down in Florida, I mean, did you get to attend any of the all-star events to take the kids there or were just kind of hanging out at the beach?
1: We kind of wanted to just hang out, but Mm -hmm. we did, we were like right in front of where all the outdoor festivals and Mm. some of the, the late night things. And my dad was an analyst with Messier and a a bunch of other cool players for the event. So we caught up with them at night, but we didn't actually go to either of the games just Mm -hmm. with the setup and little kids. It's about 45 minutes, um, Florida live from where we were in Fort Lauderdale. So We didn't actually take them there, but we did get a chance to see a lot of Hawks people, um, sponsorship people caught up with Seth Jones and his mom on the Wurtz's Mm. family yacht, which was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And just kind of be around the action and the festival. So my kids got a good taste of it. But this year, we didn't make it to the actual games.
0: (laughs) They're (laughs) getting a little bit older now. I mean, are they aware of what hockey is and all of that? (laughs) Yeah. I don't
1: want to sound like I'm forcing it, but yeah, we play like all the time in the house. We have two nets set up in the foyer or the right when you walk in in the Mm -hmm. entranceway. Um, So we play all the time. My son is like super into it as soon as we got home. The first thing my daughter did was ask for fruit and then my son grabbed a hockey stick and gave it to me because it's just like what we do when we wake up and like want to pump each other up for the morning.
0: (laughs) Future (laughs) hockey player.
1: (laughs) Future hockey player. I hope so. Maybe one of them. I'd love to coach my daughter one day or my son if I have the opportunity to when they're little. So they're so super cute and they love being around the rink and they're just like super aware of what hockey is just because they know I go to the rink for work.
0: Now with your dad, I mean, I'm sure he has a little bit of an influence on them as well, too. Definitely. I mean, <laughs> I
1: think, too, like bringing him to work and bringing him to the ice rink, it's just so fun and energetic. And um, I mean, if you bring kids to any sporting events, mm-hmm. right, they have fun, but definitely like him bringing them on the ice and taking them around. My daughter loved it. Um, she's getting the hang of it in skates and wears a mm. helmet. She hasn't done full equipment yet, but that's kind of our next step. I kind of remember when I first put on my brother's hand-me-downs for the first time when I was really young, I was grossed out and upset and nothing fit. <laughs> and I was it kind of like ruined my first day. But after that, it was, it was all up, it was all downhill. So it was, <laughs> it was fun and they're both kind of getting the hang of it. And he's obviously been so fun bringing him to all the hockey events that we can.
0: Well, it's really special that you get to share that with your kids as well, too. And I know that it's certainly interesting to balance that life of work and being a mom, and especially for you traveling on the road, too. How has that been this season?
1: Uh, it's still, you know, it's it's amazing. Um, I'm going to say I'm grateful, and I don't ever want to use my my kids as an excuse for why maybe I I'm, I'm disappointed or I'm frustrated that I'm not you know, a hundred percent in in where I am at at work or something, but it's it's definitely like you said, it's a balance, and nothing is going to go a hundred percent at the same time, whether it's being a wife or partner, um being the best mom and being the best at your job. It's just it's physically too exhausting to be able to excel at all three at the same time all the time. so I just feel like having kids has put in great perspective that it's okay to miss a couple of the late night games or maybe miss a few articles that I w- wasn't able to read because I could tuck my daughter in for bed and mm-hmm. read her some books for an hour and a half instead. So it kind of makes you realize, you know, what's important and to be able to get the best of both worlds with the opportunity to work and do what I love and still have time to have those special moments. I I I know you miss a lot, especially being on the road and I have missed certain things, but there's, there's other things that I value, um, you know, just as much as maybe missing the first time they crawl or, Mm -hmm. you know, go on the potty for the first time. There's just, there's other little moments too, that, that you catch when you are there and you make the most of. So it is amazing. It's so rewarding. I think it's so important. Um, you know, and I look at People like yourself as well and just different women in hockey specifically and in sports changing the game and, you know, trying to do things a little bit not traditional for women, you know, in leading roles in the booth and in the radio booth. And I think it's important for for my daughter. And it kind of gives me solace that if I miss certain things, you know, I'm not doing it just for myself. I'm doing it for for her and my family. And, you know, you work so hard to get to a certain point and it just worked out great where I could I could do both. I always thought if I was going to have kids, I'd have to take a pause on work Mm -hmm. and it just you can't plan anything I've learned.
0: Well, you're certainly a great example of being able to balance it all. And I think that one of the cool things about your career is how much it's grown over the last, you know, couple years or so. And, um, with your role now with the Blackhawks, how do you feel like you've continued to, you know, get better as an analyst and continue to grow up that ladder? Yeah, I think, you know, being in Tampa Bay where I started in radio with my play by play
1: partner, Dave Mishkin, he really, um, you know, changed my life, my career really, and just giving me the support and the confidence that I didn't have to, be in an analyst role. And he also gave me a lot of the tools to be able to, you know, hone in on that craft because it's such an art form to be able to not just see the the game and see what you're seeing and, you know, try to talk about it, to be able to do it eloquently on a broadcast and, you know, make a statement in six or seven seconds that might normally take me a minute to describe is challenging. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I love about being an analyst and, I think it, it just keeps you on your toes and, and calling games live. It, it just, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's constantly evolving. It's, you just can't be complacent. So being with the Blackhawks, I get to do a little bit of radio, doing color commentary with John Wideman, who's excellent. Um, you know, he's done 30 years of, of play by play across different professional levels in hockey. So again, another great mentor for me. And then being able to be in studio and do TV adds a whole nother dynamic, uh, very different, but both fun. And I just love being able to do a little bit of everything. It it keeps me sharp on all levels. And it's great being in an original six market too, for the first time, you know, fans are very, um, you know, on top of everything mm-hmm. and especially Blackhawks fans, they have such a high expectations for the team and the organization. Um, just with how rich the history is, the dynasty era of three cups. So, you know, you, you always have to be on top of your game and sometimes you get called out when you're not, but that's okay. You just gotta (laughs) keep going and, and do your homework. So it's, it's certainly humbling having kids and having to work maybe twice as hard to be able to stay on top of, of things and news and, and talk to people. But, uh, I love, I love working in this market and for this organization, it's, it's been a game changer.
0: You've had the opportunity recently to work with your dad on the TV side a little bit, I saw. So what's it like working with him? I know you've told me in the past that usually you watch film together. Do you still get to do that? All the time. Yeah, I send
1: <laughs> clips, like everyone, like any coaches and and previous people who I've met. I love sending clips to them and getting their feedback and just getting different perspectives all the time because it's sometimes it's different in one locker room with one coach they see things a little bit different depending on the system and their vocabulary mm-hmm. so i i mean he so it's it's not rocket science it's great sometimes <laughs> to just you know talk to him right away on a play you, you can dissect it right there and then and you know it's okay for i just i'm humble too like i'm i'm not in there trying to outsmart him (laughs) you know I'm I'm willing to admit fault when I see something different and I'm wrong Um, but it's great I mean I watch a lot of film with him I get great perspective from you know our friends and family friends in the hockey world as well anytime I call everyone's always been so generous to help me out and and, um, you know we worked together and it was a lot of fun I don't know I never thought he was going to be in TV full-time the way he is. Mm. And it's been a lot of fun. It's kind of a dream to get to work together and spend this much time, um, not just like with having kids and being around the rink together, but just spending the quality time together and then getting to mix work and, you know, our personal lives together has been the best of both. So he certainly um, has, has definitely played a huge role in my love for the game, but also my knowledge and understanding of the game and trying to be an analyst. He's, you know, also my number one supporter and giving me the confidence and the tools to see the game, uh, you know, from a more experienced perspective every day.
0: I'm sure he gets to listen or watch a lot of your work as well, too. I mean, is he critical? Is it like a nice banter you guys have? You know what? He's so
1: um, positive and great. But at the same time, if I say something stupid or he's like, that's, (laughs) you know, that's not right. He's the first one to call me out. But in a great way, we Mm -hmm. both do great with constructive criticism. And I'd rather him be honest about something than, you know, not be. And Mm -hmm. then I, you know, it's not right. So that's kind of what I've always done with him growing up, even watching my brothers play. I've, you know, I'll make comments and he'll, you know, tell me actually, no, you know, that's, that's not where the breakdown happened. It was here and this is why it happened. And Mm. I think that's helped me so much, learn more about the game and see plays differently, see the ice differently, uh, evaluate players at at a higher level. And that's kind of what gave me the confidence in college, even though I didn't know how I was going to do it to say, like, I didn't want to just be pigeon held, um, into doing just ringside work. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be able to talk and give an opinion. Um, and I wasn't sure in what space to do that at the time. And Tampa really lended itself to, to my career and, and being able to do that for the first time. So I kind of owe a lot, uh, of where I'm at to just the people there that were supporting me and kind of surprised that I wanted to go there.
0: When you were working down in Tampa, I mean, you were part of a dynasty down there. I mean, what did you learn in the sense of how to build a successful team like that, especially knowing where the Blackhawks are at this season and that little bit of a rebuild and, uh, you know, just not having the season that they want, but also kind of expecting that? Yeah,
1: I think like when I came down to Tampa in 2016, they had been on the rise and their window for the cup was wide open and credit to Steve Eiserman and Julian Brisebois, who followed up as you know the new GM. They've been together. They were together for eight to 10 years. And uh, I think the biggest thing was just patience, you know, in mm-hmm. a rebuild. Everyone kind of thinks three to five years and who knows, you know, being in Chicago, it's such a hot market. Players want to play. For an original six team, they love the city, so maybe part of that can expedite the process, but at the same time, um, you know, it takes a while. Sometimes it's eight to ten years. That's how long it took the Blackhawks, you know, from 2002 to when they were drafting, you know, Keith, Seabrook. It took them a while to get to that first cup in 2010, and it took Taze and Kane having, you know, an unbelievable rookie season their first year in the NHL which doesn't happen and two Mm -hmm. young players just leading the charge for them every night um so it it takes it takes a while and you have to be patient and you know the the key too I think in in a rebuild is a little bit of luck you have to hope that some of those third round picks turn out for you and you know they they develop and it's all about you know not rushing players and what Steve Eiserman I think really coined the term had said a lot was just letting players mar- marinate and develop mm. at the American Hockey League le- level and juniors let them dominate at that level before they come up to the NHL because a player can lose their confidence and it could take 5 years for them to get back to where they started so definitely not rushing the process being patient and a little bit of luck in those later third and fourth round draft picks. I mean, Tampa was one of the best at that. If you look mm-hmm. at Andre Pilat, seventh round draft pick. You know, Braden Point, Anthony Cirelli, third round draft picks. They were number one and number two centers on a Stanley Cup championship team. Palat, top six forward, but a top line perf- you know performer in the playoffs um, during those Stanley Cup championships. So it it definitely takes uh, time and. Steve Eiserman was incredible in what he did down there. It's too bad he wasn't able to be a part of the Stanley Cups, but he certainly had his fingerprints all over it. He's got his fingerprints on the Red Wings right now mm-hmm. and their you know their ability to find that identity. So the Hawks will have a, a little ways to go, but I do think <laughs> being an original six team in this market, um, the history, and this organization will definitely, um, you know, interest players mm-hmm. who want to win and want to win in this city.
0: Well, the last meeting between the Blackhawks and Ducks this season was back in November, and it was here in Anaheim. But since then, in what ways has the, the team progressed this season since that last meeting?
1: Yeah, they, the last time they played, you know, it was an exciting game. It was the dad's trip for the Blackhawks. And Jared Tenorti uh, scored a pair of goals, and mm-hmm. his dad was, was there, and it was exciting. And it was a great trip. Uh, come from behind they were down by three and ended up winning that game so it's kind of been two similar teams in that they both have come back from multi-goal deficits Mm -hmm. and I think the Ducks right now are probably playing (laughs) some of their best hockey of the season the Blackhawks were playing their best hockey of the season coming out of the holiday break they won six of seven Uh, they beat Calgary they beat Colorado they managed games with the lead well against those teams and I think they're playing some of their best hockey as well. We'll see now this is the first game out of all-star break, mm-hmm. but they were without Jonathan Tays and Kane for stretches during their win streak, which I think says something about the coaching staff and the team's ability to buy in and play to their identity. Um, and you know, now Taze is not going to be the lineup for this game. He's out with a non COVID related illness, but Tyler Johnson's back. Who's a key part of this, this lineup and is supposed to be a key part of this rebuild. He's dealt with injuries on and off. Um, but I think, you know, all in all they were playing some of their best hockey before going into the all-star break as well. So it's going to be an exciting matchup between these two teams who have both been at the bottom of the pack in terms of the ability to score goals, but uh, before the all-star break, the Hawks had scored almost double the amount of goals in half the month of January than what they had all December. So they were finding a way and we'll see if they can kind of pick up where they left off against the Ducks.
0: And obviously the trade deadline is starting to loom as we get a little bit closer to it. Obviously a lot of talk too in Chicago about what could happen with some of those core guys But how is the group staying focused, you know, during all of this talk and throughout the season?
1: Yeah, I think when you talk to players, a lot of them will say, you know, you don't really talk about it in the Mm -hmm. locker room. It's something that's out of your control. There's also going to be players that are kind of on pins and needles because you never know, you know, when it's going to happen. If you get that phone call from the GM um, that you've been traded and there's a lot of players who are up for grabs, I'm sure the Blackhawks will be a little bit desperate to clear cap space and get rid of some of the players that have have maybe, you know, pulled some interest from other teams. When you look at the Sam Lafferty's or Max Domi, Jared Mm -hmm. Tenorti, Jake McCabe, um, those are all players that are of interest for sure for other teams. And obviously everything going around with Kane and Taze, you know, that's their captain and their leadership group, their veterans, the last two players from that dynasty era who won three Stanley Cup championships. So without them in the lineup, you know, it's a different team. It's a new era. Um, And so I I think they're managing it well. The coaching staff is very direct and they're not really thinking about trade deadline as cliche as it sounds. You Mm -hmm. know, they control what they can control. And I think that was evident in their ability to win games and find different ways to do so coming out of the holiday break and the whole month of January, they really played together. And I know that the coaching staff works pretty tirelessly at and making sure the players are motivated every time they step onto the ice. So we've seen instances of that in the last month and a half, just young guys staying out late at morning skates and practices. Um they've had, you know, rookies like Jackson Stauber come out who played, you know, a little bit at Providence University, a little bit of the American Hockey League and ran into some injuries and then comes up and wins two games for them at the NHL level, including his first start. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're just finding different ways to come together. And it seems like a pretty close knit group right now to avoid kind of the anxiety and the stress that comes with wondering what's going to happen at trade deadline.
0: You've mentioned a couple of names already, but who was someone in the month of January that stood out to you? I think, uh, Sam Lafferty to me
1: and that line that was pretty solid at the beginning of the year, it was Philip Kurishev, Sam Lafferty and Jason Dickinson. And they were a really solid third line, a little bit of, or a lot of skill and they had some finish and they just worked really well together. They brought speed. They loved going North South. Just, um, you know, they, they really took advantage of teams when they had a little bit of open ice and they're you know, a, a very important part of this group. There's a lot of players from the American Hockey League that have been playing, um, you know, at the NHL level all season just due to the nature of the rebuild. And they're not really a team on paper, talent-wise, that are going to out-talent many teams this year. But I found that Lafferty and Dickinson, uh, they really kind of – exemplify the type of identity that Kyle Davidson, the general manager for the Blackhawks, wants his team to play with, and that's just a very hard work ethic. Speed, north-south, you know, high hockey IQs, and, you know, they've they've gotten the opportunity to play top six roles as well, which has been great for them. Dickinson will be playing alongside Patrick Kane, and he's shown some finish, great skill, and determination. You know, I like that those Mm -hmm. players, too, they're much more worried about the de- being above the puck and staying on the defensive side of the puck um, as a means to success than they are at, you know, putting up points. So if you can do both, which they were all the month of January, especially shorthanded, you know, that's great to see them be rewarded. And they were. So they are a big part of why this team was able to score goals. And you throw Anthony Sioux on there who brings you know, he's one of the fastest players in the league. Those three together had a couple great games and a win against St. Louis um, and against you know, Calgary, those three individuals too really stood out and played a 200 foot game.
0: Kaylee Chelios, great to have you join us on light the lamp. I do miss Chicago, but I don't necessarily (laughs) miss the weather that I'm sure you're getting around this time of the year right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're living large in California. It's the best, (laughs) the best weather ever, even above (laughs) Florida, I think. So enjoy it, Alexis. We, uh, We don't feel bad for you down here in the negative 10 that I guess everyone experienced the last week and a half while we were in Florida.
0: (laughs) Well, enjoy the game tonight. Always great to catch up with Kaylee. I am continually impressed every time I talk to her because of her knowledge of the sport and how cool it is that she gets to share her passion with her dad. It's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. The Anaheim Ducks facing off against the Chicago Blackhawks tonight in Chicago at the United Center, this being Tuesday night my former stomping grounds as I lived in Chicago for almost three years before I moved out here to Anaheim. I know the United Center pretty well, and I have to give a hats off to the Blackhawks because their press meal is fantastic. It always has been even before the pandemic. One of my favorite press meals in the NHL. So anyways, two teams who have had somewhat of a similar season in their respective divisions facing off tonight, Don't miss it. 5.30 right here on DuckStream with the call by Steve Carroll and Dan Wood. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. As always, come back again for more Hockey Talk right here on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.